History, mystery, passion for telling the narrative of those who are no longer with us. Real people, real lives, with real stories to be told, even though they're now gone. It's the Grave Conversations Podcast, Season 1, Resurrecting Raymond, a son of Menasha, Wisconsin, who bravely fought and died for his country in World War II. His story went to the grave with his last known relative. Through research, dumb luck, and dedication, we will be able to paint a snapshot of a young man who gave everything for his country, including his life. The Grave Conversations Podcast starts now. And we're on. My name is Fife. We have Woody in studio. Hello, everybody. And we have Kat. Hello. And we are now on episode five of the Grave Conversations podcast, where we are talking about the life of Raymond Novikovsky, private first class of the United States Army, uh, killed in World War II. Um, really not a lot of time left in the war when it happened. About no. a month and a half left before the war came to an end. Right. Uh, he's from Menasha, Wisconsin. And we have pretty much gone from having no information other than the obituary and his gravestone That's only fun, yeah. to all of this stuff that we've been able to share over the last four episodes through today. So we're going to start with a news article that was printed um, not long after his death, but uh, there was a little bit of time in between. Um, and I think this is a really special news article. This is a news article that... I'm happy that he was awarded this because he deserved it. He died in the line of fire. He died. He gave his life for his country. He gave his life to free people that were being persecuted. So here is an article that was also printed in the Menasha paper. Purple Heart Award is made posthumously. The award of the Purple Heart has been made posthumously to Mr. and Mrs. Max Novikovsky, 617 7th Street, Menasha. And it was made on behalf of their son, Private First Class, Raymond Novikovsky, who died in action while serving with the American forces in Germany. Also received by Mr. and Mrs. Novikovsky are two letters concerning the death of their son. One, written by the chaplain, Captain Francis S. Disher, contained the following message. Your son, Private First Class Raymond Novikovsky, Company 3, 232nd Infantry, was killed by a sniper in the vicinity of Wuzburg, Germany, on April 17, 1945. He was a soldier as he died and lived and was prepared spiritually for whatever would come. He was buried in Binsheim, Germany. After the war is over, his remains will be shipped to you upon request. We will continue to pray for his soul in masses and that God will alleviate your sorrow. A ward of the Purple Heart made posthumously is sent to you as a tangible expression of the country's gratitude for the son's gallantry and devotion and the loss of your loved one. And then the second letter came from Tech Sergeant Tyler Brownlee, who served with Private First Class Novikovsky, came the following letter. I had been with your son since he was transferred to the infantry. All I can say is that he was an excellent soldier, courageous, willing, and able. I expect to go soon to my home in Dallas, Texas, and as soon as I arrive there, I will get in touch with you and will continue any correspondence concerning your son. I'm also willing to answer any and all questions that you might have and may even come to Wisconsin to visit you in your home. Hmm. So Tyler Brownlee uh, was this guy that served with Raymond. We went 
hard on trying to find the family of Tyler Brownlee. Yeah. And we talked to so many people. There was a lot of Tyler Brownleys in Texas. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, the only one that was from Dallas did get back with me. And it was actually, I think, a realtor or something like that. And he got something. back with me and he said, I'm sorry, my grandparents were not named Tyler. I'm the first Tyler in the family. Mm. So unfortunately, we never found Tyler Brownlee. Right. Um, I am happy to know that the Purple Heart was awarded, although you would not know that going to his grave. There's no marking. And that's actually right. something that we plan to do. Um, they have flag holders now for Purple Heart uh, veterans. So we're going to purchase one of those and put it at the grave mm-hmm. so that it's known that this guy gave his life for his country, that he died in World War II. Um, so that was really important. But uh, the thing that stands out on here, I don't know if you guys saw it jump out, but was the fact that he was buried first in Germany. Right. When we also came across an article that said he had been buried in France. Right. So from what we found is he was moved from Germany after the war was officially ended to a cemetery in France. Right. And we did not know if his body ever made it home. We had no idea. So we had to go on another mission here to figure out if Raymond Novakovsky is actually buried in the cemetery or if it's just a ceremonial marker. Right. And usually when, when, when soldiers died in battle, they would bury them where they were shot. They would just – you'd get a shovel and you, you'd dig it up and you kind of bury it and you put a little – a marking there that mm-hmm. this is a soldier because you're not going to collect them all and then ship them back. That's just right. silly. You wait until the war is over. So that's probably what happened is he was, he was buried in Germany you know, upon his death once they took over that city, and then once the war was over, they exhumed his body and then all, you know, buried them all in the cemetery in France that were honoring, you know, American soldiers who gave their life. Exactly. And then um, we didn't know, did he ever make it home? Mm-hmm. So I called St. Mary's Church, and I asked to talk to whoever runs the cemetery. And this guy, Pete, is who I dealt with. Super nice guy. Super interested in the podcast, super interested in what we're doing. And he said he had no idea and that there's no clear records of that stuff other than all the handwritten stuff that he said is stacked in a room, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of books. Mm. He had no idea where it was, but he was going to look into it for me and that I should expect to call in a few weeks. So I'm like, oh, man, this is going to take forever. Right, and that feeling of like, oh, we're so close, but, oh. He also mentioned there might be some letters from the priest who was corresponding with soldiers at the time, Mm -hmm. but he would have to look further for that. So I kind of was like bombed out, and then all of a sudden, an hour later, my phone rang, and I didn't know the number, but it said Menasha, so I picked it up, and there he was. And he said, you're never going to believe this. And I was like, okay, shoot. And he said, I went into the room and I looked around. And the first thing I thought is, oh, man. But I decided to reach into a box. And he said, I kid you not, the first book that I grabbed out of that box, the only thing I could read because everything was in Latin, was Raymond Novikovsky. And I got chills when he said that because I'm like, are you kidding me? This giant room filled with books, the first one you grab 
you're able to see the name Raymond Novakovsky. That's all you can read. Everything else is in Latin, but his name is right there. So I got chills when he said that. Mm -hmm. Because, again, I've felt on more than one occasion that Raymond wants his story right. told. Yep. And I know some people out there don't believe in the spirit world and they don't believe in things like that and they think it's crazy and I understand where you're coming from, but there is something going on here in my mind. So he said, I have to find somebody who reads Latin. We have a few people in the building. I need to get with them. Calls me back the next day and lets me know three years after Raymond was killed in action, his body came home and that he is buried at St. Mary Cemetery. He is there. And that there was a service held, which I thought was really great. Um, they had a full honor ceremony where military came out. Um, they had a mass for him, a celebration of life, and that he was placed into the grave. So he is buried with his family here mm -hmm. in the right. United States. Finally came home, but not until 1948. And I think that that's it's powerful. You know, because one of my one of my feelings that that bothered me is he wanted so badly to be here in Wisconsin. I mean, he said it mm -hmm. in his letter, his words, I'll take Wisconsin any day. Mm -hmm. And he didn't get to come back in our minds. We didn't you know, we knew he was buried in France. That was the last update we had before we realized we need to see if he did come home. Right. And now we know he did. He's back in Wisconsin, which he loved so much and wanted to be here. And in St. Mary's Cemetery, where he was a, an active member in the, in the parish, right. the whole thing. So, yeah. Well, and I will say, I know it was a little bit tough. Obviously, when we first saw that headstone, we assumed he was there. And right. then doing some research, finding out, oh, my gosh, he might not be. Yeah. That was so hard. It's almost heartbreaking. Right. Yeah. Because I, I want every soldier to come home. I want their body to make it home, but that doesn't happen a lot. In fact, when we started looking into the France Cemetery, mm -hmm. there is an entire section with hundreds, if not thousands, of men that were killed yep. mm -hmm. France from and the United States buried there still. France and Belgium, too. Belgium has right. a huge American burial plot And there. it's crazy because, you know, I would think as a family, if the military says, yes, at our expense, we'll bring the body home, that you would ask that. But I guess a lot of families thought, no, I don't want to disturb the body. It's Right. And some families do... That that's their prerogative. That nope, they gave their life there. It's that mm -hmm. that's where their body is. That right. just leave it be and let it be in peace and with his other brothers in arms. And that's kind of uh, the you know that was that was my thinking was he never made it home. And right. so when right. we found out he did, I felt really happy about that. And definite sense of relief. Yeah, and I don't know why because again he's dead. You know he's gone. Why should it matter? But there was a sense of relief that mm -hmm. he is back in Wisconsin, which he clearly loved. I mean, he made a point to bring it up constantly. Right. He loved Menasha. I don't think – I think Raymond would have traveled. I think he would have done a lot of that if he lived, but I don't think he ever would have moved from Menasha. Yeah, I don't think no. so either. I feel like he loved that Well, and his city. brother never did. His right. brother stayed. He would never leave – and he would never leave the Bonta Corporation. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, my gosh, yeah. I mean, he talked about it. He couldn't wait to get back. And start working again. All the bowling and the basketball right. and the, sweet, sweet the summer picnics. picnics. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it, it's so that's that's the thing that made me happy was knowing that he did come back to Wisconsin. He did come back to the Menasha that he loved. Yeah. Um. So with that being said, uh, we did find out the body came back. We were all happy about that and and um happy that the Purple Heart was given. We tried to track down if the Purple Heart ended up with 
with his brother and, and it had ended up with his distant relative. Yeah, the cousin. We, we couldn't track it down. We were hoping that we'd be able to get a picture of it and uh, share that with you. Unfortunately, we don't have it. My hope is that when his body came home, that his parents who had it placed it with him mm-hmm. in the grave. That's my hope. I would hope so. I hope I it would. didn't just get kicked into the garbage after somebody moved. You know, I, mm. I that would break my heart. Right. I hope it's buried with him mm-hmm. and that it's proudly displayed on his chest. He earned it. He Absolutely. gave his life for the country. Mm-hmm. Um, now, we want to go over some things that we learned. There was an entire book that was written by people who served in the unit that right. he is in. And this whole book will link to our Facebook page so you can take the time to read it if you want. It's very in-depth. It is very specific. Mm-hmm. Um, if you are not somebody who understands military talk, some of mm-hmm. it may make your head hurt when you're mm-hmm. reading it. But we were able to pull some very interesting things from it, and specifically the day that Raymond died. Right. So I was I was specifically wanting to find out what battle they were in, who was involved, like maybe if there was some strategic, you know, uh, plan that you know sent this person here and this person here, and specifically sent Raymond, uh, you know, in one direction and got him shot. But we didn't find it, anything specific. But here's what uh, took place. Um, from the Rainbow Division, especially his uh, infantry, which is the 232 uh, Infantry, on April 17th. So uh, somebody writes, In the meantime, the 232nd Infantry was advancing with the 2nd Battalion on the right, the 3rd on the left, and the 1st that were in reserve. Uh, Initially, the advance met with no resistance, but as the regiment neared Firth, it began to receive mortar and small arms fire. On this day, the regiment captured the tiny farm of Kodelsberg, where the Nazi Jew Bader, uh, his name is Julius Stryker, had a farm. Now, Stryker himself had fled only a few hours before the Rainbow Men arrived. Uh, in the center of the division attack, the 242nd Infantry was also advancing with the 1st and 2nd Battalions uh, abreast and the 3rd in reserve. By nightfall, patrols had reached the um, Regnitz in the western outskirts of Firth. Now, the division stood poised for an assault on Firth. So taking over this uh, particular city um, near Woosburg and, and then Caudelsburg, where this tiny farm was at, was a big deal. But I'm guessing this they received mortar and small iron arms fire. Right. Small arms fire would be what got rained. Snipers and things like a that. Sniper. Yep. Uh, they needed to take control of this area to take control of the next big city as right. they advanced into Germany. So right. this was the first step in securing the area so that they could advance more troops and then uh, move for- further into Germany to take over the next big right. city. That's kind of how it had to happen. They had to take city by city right. by city. If you ever watch the news now, um, you know, over the last what is it, uh, 17 years, 18 years, Right, War on terror, you would yeah. hear about how we would take and lose a, a city right. uh, while fighting in Iraq. And, you know, that's just what happens. You, sometimes you have to you have to drop your troops back yep. and retreat, and sometimes you go forward. Right. One of the things that I read in, in this book, and I want to shout out to my buddy uh, Tom, uh, Chris, he goes by both, um, because he is the guy that found this for us. He is the one who sent that to me. Um, he is super into history, and he did a lot of research on his own grandfather. So he kind of knew these steps that I did not when we got into this. 
in figuring some things out. He actually found um, Raymond's Rainbow Company on Facebook. Now, obviously, most of the men that are on there are not members of it, but they are family members of it. Right. And we did ask if anybody had any information on Raymond Novikovsky. Unfortunately, they did not. Um, but there are some interesting pictures. You see some of the men that Raymond would have stood side by side with mm -hmm. in this fight. Um, but in there, the, the wording that they, they spoke about um, with uh, what was happening, it, it, it appeared that these little skirmishes kept breaking out. Um, you know, they would take take an area, and then at one point, um, the Germans decided to fight back and um, came at them hard, so they had to retreat back to a canal, and then they found themselves fighting forward again to the railroad tracks. And So it seemed like it was a back-and-forth type battle, but uh, at some point, um, a sniper was able to pull off a round that, that would eventually kill Raymond. Mm -hmm. um, the thing is, with Raymond's death, he did not die in vain because what he was doing with these men in securing their next opportunity to take the next big city was he was helping to set up a huge moment for, I believe it was 130,000. Yeah. Right. You have, a, I think you have that. that yeah. So section. what, I mean, what, what this war is, is really about is this evil person who wants to get rid of a group of people, uh, groups of people, you know, not just the, the Jewish, but gays and blacks and, and what create a superior race, right. take and over land, create these concentration camps. And there was talk about it, uh, beforehand, but no one really believed that they would actually do this. But mm -hmm. the, the big, and the first concentration camp was in Dachau and, uh, the rainbow division, um, was part of the, that uh, freeing of this. So here, the Rainbow Division is now headed directly south from Munich from the last serious obstacle overcome. The right boundary of the division was in the Autobahn, leading into the city on the other side of the 3rd Infantry Division. On the division's left with the 45th Infantry Division, with the boundary led through the famous Nazi concentration camp of Dachau. The word Dachau is one of, uh, one of which many men in the Rainbow will never forget. They heard of Nazi concentration camps and believed or half-believed the stories of the SS atrocities and brutalities conducted in them. Soon, they would see the most famous of all German horror prisons, the oldest such camp in Germany. Its very name was feared. Men and women who entered those massive stone gates as prisoners never came out. Inside them was practiced systematic murder. Men who had been free friends died and witnessed all the horrors of war were turned pale and sick in what they saw in Dachau. So the Rainbow Division stumbled upon this concentration camp, got rid of the, the soldiers and the, and the people who were holding all of these poor, poor souls captive and helped free them, the least of survivors. There. And with Raymond, you know, he was not there to see that. But I think he would have been damn proud of it. Okay, and this, this was on uh, April 25th is when they freed him. So if you're following along, that's like a week later. Right. And, I mean, he's still, even though he wasn't physically there for that, he was still part of it. Absolutely was. Yep. Again, the advancement was so important. They had to seize that area where Raymond died in order to be able to march on to this area and free these these people who were being held captive and tortured and murdered and you know, I I, I want to say it said 100. I'm, I, I apologize if I'm wrong. There was a section in the book. I thought it, it mentioned there was 130,000 captive in Dachau people right. in Dachau. Yeah. And that, yeah. that included soldiers, 
uh, from you the know, different prisoners allied, of war, yeah. yeah, prisoners of war from the Allied powers, and then there were also obviously a lot of Jewish families that were being held mm-hmm. captive mm-hmm. Um, and being used for you know work slavery and um, to torture, you know, and and do experiments. There they did mm-hmm. medical experiments on these people. Mm-hmm. Um, so the fact that Raymond was a big part of that, um, you know, that to me, that's everything. Mm-hmm. You know, that is that is the coolest part about. This whole story is that 130,000 people got their freedom, got to live their lives because Raymond was so accepting of the fact that he may lose his and did indeed lose his life. In order to free these these poor souls. It's it's an awesome thing. Hashtag Rainbow Division. Yeah, the Rainbow (laughs) Division, seriously, man, you know, the World War I, when they were created, you know, the idea was brilliant. And a brilliant man was behind that. Um, MacArthur, by the way, mm-hmm. for those that don't mm-hmm. know. Um, so the fact that they brought it back and it still exists to this day, it has not gone away. It was not like after World War I, they disbanded. After World War II, the Rainbow Division still stands tall. And I love that. And I love that Raymond will be forever a part of that mm-hmm. and that he will welcome... Every soldier that has ever served under the Rainbow Division, as they they come home, I you know I like to think that uh, I like to think that when Raymond died, there was a lot of people that were waiting for him and welcomed him. I you know I guess that's my Catholic side talking and and you know my belief in heaven and things like that. But I I like to think that uh, Raymond got a, a very warm welcome for what right. he did. So and if you guys know anything about Raymond Novikovsky or the family. Even even now, as you're listening to this podcast, let us know. In fact, we had one listener who reached out uh, through the Facebook Messenger. And uh, what are your conversations here, Mr. Fife? All right, so this is kind of crazy. Um, <laughs> I don't know how else to explain this. This is like coincidence, yeah. weirdness, crazy. So cool, though. So awesome. cool. So one of the listeners of my radio station that found out about the podcast, decided she wanted to check it out. She mm-hmm. likes history. Sure. And she was intrigued by the idea. Her name is actually Randy Trudeau. And she sent me a message on, uh, or us a message on Grave Conversations podcast Facebook. And she basically said, I wanted to let you know that I find your podcast to be very interesting. And I wanted to tell you about a little story of my own that's going on. She said that um, the podcast kind of made her remember something and she wanted to start moving forward on it because of it. Her husband bought a house in Menasha in 1995, Raymond's hometown. And uh, she moved in in 97 after they got married. And I guess at some point they went up to the attic for the first time. And as they were up there, they found boxes of stuff from the previous owner and that guy's name is uh, Frank Vossium. It's V-O-I-S-S-E-M. And uh, Frank was a World War II veteran who lived into his 90s. Um, so he might have been on the older end of people that went over to World War II because right. Raymond would only be 95 now. Right. right. So, you know, you're talking uh, 20 years ago. Yeah, 15, 20 years ago. So if Raymond was 20, he would have been going in at 40 mm-hmm. to to fight in this war. So he um, he was there, and uh, he lived in this house forever. His health started to fail. He did not have a wife 
he did not have kids. Again, eerie because mm-hmm. it's very, very similar to Raymond's story. Uh, Raymond's brother, Donald, uh, who yeah. never got married, never had kids. Um, but this guy uh, supposedly in, uh, did not have a wife or kids with him. His health was failing, and a distant relative made him leave and come to a, a nursing home for a year before he passed away and sold sell the house. So um, Randy's husband, Steve, bought this house, and they ended up finding this stuff, and he was going to throw it out, and she just couldn't bear to do it because there was a lot of really pretty black and white photos, and there was a lot of like paperwork and stuff, and she just felt bad. And so they put it in a garage, and it sat there because she didn't want to get rid of it. It didn't feel right. I know how she feels. I don't think I could throw away anything that old either. Mm-hmm. And um, they moved, and they took the boxes with. Again, her husband wanted to throw them out. She wasn't feeling it, so <laughs> she kept it. And they, they moved to Kakana, and it went into their garage, and it's been sitting there ever since. So you're talking about a box that hasn't been opened since 1997. So she decided to go looking through the box because she wanted to learn about this guy, Fred. She wanted to, to, to start to get his history, kind of yeah. like we've done with Raymond. Yeah. And so I was giving her tips on things she could do that we did, places to check, stuff like that. And um, she finally cracked open the boxes, and uh, she sent a message. And she said, well, I didn't find anything about Fred in in some of the stuff yet, but I'm looking. And... She said, you might find this interesting, though. And I was like, okay. And now, mind you, I'm at a stoplight, so I didn't look really good. I just kind of glanced at it. I'm like, she Wait, sent photos. That's you weird. text and drive? No, I was at a stoplight. Mm-hmm. I was at a stoplight. Mm-hmm. It was stopped. Mm-hmm. It was stopped. Fine. So anyway, I pull off because I decide I want to get a better look at it. And I park my car and I pull my phone out. And I go back and I look. I'm like, why is she sending me yearbook photos? And... I zoom in on the names and I start scrolling. I'm like, is there a Fred here? Am I supposed to find Fred? And all of a sudden, Raymond Novakovsky pops up. And I'm like, are you kidding me? So I look back. I scroll over to the photos and I go to the row and I look and I'm like, oh, my God. It's a, it's a, it's baby, it's baby Raymond. He's like <laughs> eighth grade. Eighth, eighth grade. grade. <laughs> so she found the eighth grade yearbook from, from Raymond's eighth grade year. In this box that hasn't been touched again for like 20 years, 22 years. And it gets better because then another photo pops up into the into this messenger. And it's a picture of his basketball team, which his name is listed as one of the starters. Mm-hmm. And there he is again in the photo. She took a little red arrow and put it on him. And I was like, oh, my God, we've got two more photos of Raymond. And we got a photo of uh, fourth grader Donald, Raymond's brother. Yep. So... What's crazy is it turns out that this guy is not in the book, Fred. So we don't know why he had this book. Right. But it was like from 1937 or 38. Yeah. It was just before, you know, Raymond went off to high school. And then it was just, it was such a crazy thing. Here's a guy who's like 15, 20 years older than Raymond. Why does he have this book? Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's weird. But how cool is it that the listener of our little podcast had this box that hadn't been touched for 22 years, and somehow, some way, Raymond Novakovsky, who is the entire reason we are doing season one of this podcast, is in the box. In his basketball shorts. <laughs> I just, man, I get, just look at this. I'm getting chill. Like, I've got bumps, goosebumps, talking mm-hmm. about it. Mm-hmm. That 
the odds of that? What are the statistical? You're a former teacher, principal. What's the statistical odds of something like that? I was told math is not involved in this today. <laughs> <laughs> Even if math was involved, I'm pretty sure those it's odds are slim. pretty slim. Right. Very slim odds, yes. So we encourage anybody who's listening to this podcast to look at all the old things that your grandparents gave you. Look through them. You might just uncover some crazy history that you didn't cool know. Treasure trove of knowledge. Right. It's really amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, I just want to thank everybody who's listened and joined us through this podcast. Mm-hmm. And I, I hope that you learned something about Raymond. I hope that you will not forget him. I hope that you'll be 70 years old and suddenly go, you know what? I remember that podcast about that guy who served in World War II. Yeah. That Raymond Novakovsky, what a handsome fella. <laughs> what a Tom Brady looking guy. Beep. <laughs> well, and you know, also, I would encourage people to head out to St. Mary's to visit him. Absolutely. I mean, see the cemetery. It's beautiful, it's lovely. Um, again, interesting with those train tracks, but stop by and say hello. And if you're military, you know what to do leave a coin. That's how you let people know that, that you thought about them. They leave a coin on, on, a, on a gravestone to let people know. Well, and hmm. uh, hopefully once the weather gets a little bit better, we are actually going to be purchasing that flag holder, that uh, Purple Heart flag holder. So he'll finally have a flag, which uh, he has not. He um, deserves, yeah. Right. And it'll be, uh, it'll be a good day when we place that, and we'll definitely share that with you guys uh, when we Yeah, when we should we do, do a little it. video even, too, of it. Absolutely. Yeah. On Facebook, yeah. Yeah. So I, I think that'll wrap it up, and uh, we want to thank everybody again for listening and let mm-hmm. you know we are working on season two. We're on the the investigation, investigation point side. of it. Oh, this is going to be a good one, too. I like yeah. season two. It's shaping it's up be to be fun. It, it will be uh, something that a lot of people are going to remember. <sighs> yeah, especially if you're listening in northeastern Wisconsin, you're going to remember this. So it's, uh, there are a lot of moving pieces, though, but we're, mm-hmm. we'll bring it to you. But again, thank you and joining us uh, today. Text Grave to 31011. You'll get the links to the podcast page. You'll get the links to our Facebook and Twitter. Um, let us know what you thought of season one. We would love to hear from you. Um, Any updates we get will go mm-hmm. up there. Um, I do also want to say, in addition to thanking the listeners, um, thank you to Raymond. You know, he he didn't live a long life, but he lived a really important life. Um, and he is worth remembering. 